the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. As we get underway, it's seven minutes past nine o'clock on this Monday, the 29th morning of the month of October in the year of our Lord, 2018. Anti-Semitism and the widespread persecution of Jews represents one of the ugliest and darkest features of human history. The vile, hate-filled poison of anti-Semitism must be condemned and confronted everywhere and anywhere it appears. We must all rise above the hate, move past our divisions, and embrace our common destiny as Americans. And it doesn't mean that we can't fight hard and be strong and say what's on our mind, but we have to always remember those elements We have to remember the elements of love and dignity and respect. Those elements are sadly um, in scarce quantity these days. Uh, Elements of love and dignity and respect and concern and caring and unification against evil. Those things are very, very hard to find right now. And sadly, in the roughly 36 or so hours since the horrific attack on the synagogue in Pittsburgh, we have been reminded of that. I um, cannot believe that I have to make this statement but um, because nobody likes to be able to say things like this about this, but I was right. On Friday's program, if you listen to the show, on Friday's program I talked about how I just do not believe that there is anything in this country at this time that can bring all people of all political stripes together in unity there just isn't we talked about the pipe bomb uh maker sender uh, if they are indeed real pipe bombs and i'm still waiting for confirmation on everything about those what 13 different devices i think that were uh that were uh, uh obtained and that were intercepted and so on and so forth we talked about how immediately Rather than circling the wagons and coming together as just people, good people of goodwill, um, to condemn those terrible acts, that it would be immediately politicized and it would be an extraordinary division. Um, and of course it was and it is and it will remain. And I talked about how there seems to be nothing, nothing that can unify us the way we were unified after the worst tragedy, the worst atrocity, on American soil in American history, which, of course, was the September 11, 2001 attacks. There was a period of time, and I, I don't want to go back and re, um, you know, do this show again from last week, but, but, but I talked about how we were in a very, very divided state at that time, too. We were just coming off of the 2000 presidential election in which there were Democrats who felt like the election was stolen from Al Gore, that the Supreme Court was rigged to give the election to George Bush. There was were the votes counted properly, were the hanging chads counted or not counted, and should they have been, and, and all of these different things happened, and it was a very, very divided time. 
a very negative time. We had just come off of, if you recall, the Clinton administration, and in 1998, the impeachment of Bill Clinton and the scandal and this uh, accusation of right-wing conspiracy by Hillary Clinton against her husband. And we were, we were in a very, very bad place. But still, the suffering and the tragedy of humanity that was 9-11 brought everybody together behind President Bush. If only for a short while, people rallied. And I asked the question last Friday, is there anything that can happen to us in our country today that will allow us or force us to unite arm-in-arm as Americans again in the same way that we did then? And I said, God forbid anything tragic happen. God forbid we suffer anything like a 9-11 again. And it doesn't have to be on that scale to be just as horrific. I mean, sure, the loss of 11 lives is different than the loss of 2,900 and some odd other lives. But the attack on our country, the attack on our 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 institutions, the attack on our religion, the attack on our faith, the attack on on who we are, um, is the same whether it's larger scale or smaller scale. And I said, God forbid we have something like that happen. But I truly feel and fear that there is nothing that will bring us together in this country, even even if it is in response to and in reaction to an atro- atrocity, a tragedy an attack of, of horrific proportions. And here we are, just what, 72 hours since I talked about that on this program, and we had Pittsburgh happen. We had this unbelievable attack, the worst day I think the mayor in Pittsburgh called it the darkest day in the history of that city. And I think he's correct. We have an anti-Semitic attack by a deranged shooter screaming that all I want to do is kill Jews and all Jews must die. It makes no sense. People who knew him, people in his neighborhood said they'd never heard him talk about anti-Semitism before. They'd never heard him rant against Jews before. His political persuasions completely unknown prior to this, I mean. Now we know. And it shouldn't matter. It really should not matter. But it does. That he spoke out against Donald Trump, was not a Trump supporter, was not a MAGA hat wearer, did not vote for him, thought he was too much of a globalist, oddly enough. So it's not a politically motivated crime. It's a hate-motivated crime. That should not matter, but it does because of this day and age and because of the pipe bomb guy who had his truck wrapped, his van wrapped in, in Trump stickers. A nut job. An absolute outlier. Someone who doesn't represent anything that President Trump or his supporters or Make America Great Movement or anything else doesn't represent any of us in any way, shape, or form, immediately became the face of, of President Trump's support group. According to the media, 
and according to the left, and now we have something which is completely non-political, but is simply pure anti-Semitic hatred, and it should bring people together, arm in arm, Republicans and Democrats, liberals and conservatives. The one thing we can agree on is we condemn hatred. We condemn anti-Semitism. We condemn this atrocity against innocent people based solely on their faith or their ethnic faith. That's the one thing we can come together on. Wrong. Because I was right. I don't think there is anything. Immediately, the American left began blaming this also on Donald Trump. Trump's rhetoric was going to lead to this. Trump's rhetoric was certainly going to inspire anti-Semites. Never mind how completely absurd that is. Never mind how completely illogical that is. Because every other day during the week, you have Palestinians and Palestinian Americans screaming at Donald Trump for his overly aggressive support of Jews, of the nation of Israel, of his his moving of the American embassy to its true place in the capital, to Jerusalem, recognizing Jerusalem as the capital. President Trump was too pro-Jew, if you recall, five minutes ago according to his critics and his haters, and now he inspires anti-Semitism. Now he inspires shooting of Jews on the Sabbath at a synagogue. This blind partisanship and hatred from the left against anything and everything that happens in this country this this need this desire i mean it's almost it's almost a, a physical obsession there's an addiction it's it's as if the left by way of the media or democratically elected officials if they're not criticizing donald trump and calling him a murderer a racist a bigot a demagogue anti-semitic anti-gay anti-this anti-that if they're not criticizing him they go through the dt's they have an addiction this is their heroin they won't unite together with the president who called for the death penalty he called for the death penalty to be enforced in this case he called it anti-semitism he called it hatred he said it must be stopped And rather than saying, all right, the president's right on this one, they continue to blame him for it. When you have crimes like this, whether it's this one or another one on another group, we have to bring back the death penalty. They have to pay. Who can possibly oppose that sentiment, along with the one that says we must confront anti-Semitism wherever it is? Anti-Semitism and the widespread persecution of Jews represents one of the ugliest and darkest features of human history. The hate-filled poison of anti-Semitism must be condemned and confronted everywhere and anywhere it appears. And he's right. How can anybody 
oppose that? How can anyone not support that sentiment? Well, the answer is there's an election. The midterm elections are just a week and a day away. And so, therefore, we cannot support the president in this. We must condemn the president, no matter what he says, no matter how he says it. We must condemn it, even if he's saying the right thing. That's the problem with the American left. Their thirst for power, their thirst for authority, knows no bounds. It cannot be quenched until they have the reins of power. That's why they were willing to do what they were willing to do to Brett Kavanaugh. The, the quest for power is the most important thing in the world to them. And they will destroy anything and anyone that gets in their way. Whether it's an honorable man who has led an honorable public service life like Brett Kavanaugh, or exploiting the deaths of Jews and the shooting of police officers who were there to protect in Pittsburgh. They will continue to attack if it helps them gain back power. This is why I said what I said, and I'll double down on it now. There is nothing that can happen here that will bring Americans together. No tragedy. Saturday was a sad and horrific example of exactly that. Kellyanne Conway, senior advisor to the president, has heard just about enough of it. He denounced anti-Semitism in all forms. He said we must rise above this evil. He's called for the death penalty for this murderer in Pittsburgh who gunned down 11 innocent people because of their faith. And he said the word and anti-Semitism, anti-Semite, any number of times. And that's really the lesson from Pittsburgh, everyone. I can't believe on these shows yesterday and over the weekend, people are point politicians pointing the finger, media making about themselves, cut it out and recognize that this man went in there to, quote, kill Jews. He went in there to kill Jews because of his own hatred for them. However irrational, illogical, psychologically damaged he is, whatever causes him to have that hatred for Jews was his. And again, sadly, It had to be looked into immediately, which it was. There was not a political motivation for his hatred. It was just his personal motivation. Unity is going to be very, very hard to come by in the United States of America under the current current, uh, state of partisanship, primarily from the left and from their willing acolytes in the American media. All right, it's 921. We'll get a timeout. I want to hear from you this morning. 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. Coming up at about 935, we are going to speak with um, Mike Goldstein. Mike Goldstein is a Cleveland attorney. Uh, he is also a very uh, informed and active uh, commentator and pundit on Amer- Ohio and American politics. And he is also the campaign manager of his wife, Beverly Goldstein, who is running for Congress. I have asked Mike to appear on this program to discuss the Cleveland Jewish community's reaction to the attack on the Pittsburgh Jewish community, and he's going to join us at 935 to do exactly that. It's 922, now the Bob France Authority on AM 1420, The Answer. Station. 
It is 926 now, the Bob France Authority on AM 1420, The Answer. Trying to make a little bit of sense about, or sense of where we are and why we are here. I want to play very briefly the uh, part of the comments uh, from Rabbi Benjamin Sendow, who is uh, who is speaking at one of the vigils uh, for the victims in Pittsburgh, 11 deaths eight injuries, police officers shot in addition to the Jews who were worshiping in their synagogue on Saturday as the deranged, hateful madman screamed, all I want to do is kill Jews. Um, The rabbi is trying to bring people together. The rabbi is trying to do what I said. I don't know if it can be done, but I want you to listen. We're divided in many ways, it's true. But there are other ways in which we are united, and one of those ways is in our contempt for this sort of hatred, for this sort of senseless violence, for the meaningless taking of human life. In that sense, the vast majority of Americans are united. I hope that is the case. To be honest with you, I really do. You can fade that music out any time now. Uh, I hope that is the case, that uh, that we are united in our contempt for the violence. But I will tell you this from listening to the the talk shows yesterday and listening to all of the sound bites being advanced by uh, the left over the last two days. I think there is more contempt on the American left, left for President Trump than for the actions of this murderer in Pittsburgh. Because they have not condemned him on all of the talk shows. They have not condemned the actual shooter. They have condemned Donald Trump, saying he is responsible for the shooter, in the same way that he is responsible for the the pipe bomb uh, maker. There is more contempt for their political enemy, which stands in the way of them gaining back their power, than there is for the murderous acts of these people. So while I salute the rabbi for his, his, his attempt at unity, I sadly feel that he is mistaken. The unity isn't in contempt for the act and for the hatred. There is contempt on one side simply for the other side. Mark is in Fairview Park. Mark, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. I'll squeeze you in before the bottom of the hour. Go ahead, sir. Okay, I'll make it fast, Bob. I was just going to mention just what you're talking about now. I mentioned last week that I think these differences are, you know, really irre- irreconcilable. But uh, uh, the one thing I wanted to—I I noticed already the slights have started because he brought up, oh, you shouldn't—we should have a police there or guards and whatever. Anyhow, at our church in town here, you know, we've had uh, robberies in between in between masses, had uh, nut jobs come in during masses, disturbing masses. Had one very bad incident, all cars broken into and things like that. We've had an armed guard at our church for quite some time now. And, uh, you know, but, and then, you know, plus on top of it, you know, we have the little stickers up there with the no gun. Well, I'm sure like at, at the synagogue, this guy's going to go in. He's, he's got his mind made up already, but he's going to see that sticker and turn around, put his guns back in the car. You know, it's, right. it's ludicrous. But I just wanted to mention, you know, when I was young boy, I remember my grandfather fought in World War I. And I still remember sitting, him sitting there, and he said, I hate to see the world that you're going to be living in. You know, I never thought much about it. I'm just a little kid. My father, who was a B-17 pilot and shot down, he said the same thing to me back in, you know, in the 50s. I hate to be in the world that you're going to be in. 
never really understood what he was talking about. But you know what? I, I think I do now. I think I understand what these uh, my grandfather and father were talking about. And that's all I got for today, Bob. Thank you. Well, thank thank you, Mark. And I'll tell you what, I'll follow up on what you just said about the gun part. The president did take criticism for saying that, that we needed to have armed guards or armed uh, uh, personnel inside of the synagogue. Um, and people ridiculed him for that. I would just point to, as a quick reminder here before the news, the Sutherland Springs shooting in November of last year, almost one year ago. Do you recall what happened in Sutherland Springs, Texas? It wasn't a Jewish synagogue. It wasn't a Muslim mosque. It was a Baptist Christian church. Do you remember? Devin Patrick Kelly. I remember that name. Went into that Baptist church in Sutherland Springs and started shooting everyone he could find, yelling, everyone die, mother blankers, as he went up and down the aisle shooting people. How did that shooting end, does anybody recall? It ended with Stephen Williford, a local resident and a former NRA firearms instructor who was nearby when he saw and heard what was happening. He grabbed his own AR-15 and went and pursued the shooter who saw that he was being shot back at and jumped in his truck and fled. Williford chased him at high speeds for about five to seven minutes. In other words, the shooting at that church was stopped by the presence of another gun. The president is right. Make no mistake about that. It's 932. We'll come right back on AM 1420 The End. All right, it's 936. Good morning to you. We are... uh... Look, there's a lot of other news going on, and, and we're going to talk about the caravan and its continuing move northward, and, and and there are a number of other issues to deal with with respect to the Pittsburgh shooting, including the gun issue that a previous caller just brought up and the President of the United States brought up. But I, I do want to focus on the situation itself and the motivation for the shooting, which is, as the President said, is anti-Semitism. The President was very, very clear about this. Obviously, this is not something that uh, was hidden by the actual shooter, and, uh, and to acknowledge it is very important, I think, obviously. Anti-Semitism and the widespread persecution of Jews represents one of the ugliest and darkest features of human history. The vile, hate-filled poison of anti-Semitism must be condemned and confronted everywhere and anywhere it appears. So that is very important, and that's why I wanted to bring on uh, a friend uh, to the program. Uh, Mike Goldstein is, uh, well, he's a number of things. He's a Cleveland attorney, as I mentioned. Uh, he's also a retired naval officer uh, with 30 years of experience in the intelligence community. And right now, he's also the director, Ohio director and general counsel to uh, the organization Justice to the Nations, which is a Christian organization dedicated to educating Christians on our biblical duty to support Israel and the Jewish people, which, of course, is one of the reasons we are so proudly, we stand so proudly as a Judeo-Christian nation. Mike Goldstein is also, by the way, and Mike, first of all, good morning. I appreciate you coming on, Mike. Morning, um, Bob. I'm happy to be with you, if you can I, use happy in this context. Understood. Yes, I do. I do I do understand your meaning. Um, and, and I want to explain to other people, too, as I noted earlier on, you are the campaign manager and husband of congressional candidate Beverly Goldstein, whom I speak with on a fairly regular basis, and I 
I just want to announce to our listeners the same thing I said to you this morning when I asked you to come on and talk about the Cleveland Jewish community's reaction to this, uh, rather than than your wife, um, who I'm sure has all kinds of strong feelings she would like to share too. But I do not want anyone getting the idea that this is some sort of political opportunism and exploiting the death of these people um, and the anti-Semitic nature of this uh, 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 terrible crime uh, for political gain. So I, I did not want to talk to Bev about this. I want to talk to you about this, and you can feel free to speak on her behalf uh, if you wish. But, Mike, I'm going to give you a little wide latitude here. Um, as I mentioned, I just kind of wanted to get, um, and I know you are obviously and Bev are very heavily involved in the uh, Jewish community in Cleveland, uh, and talk about the reaction uh, that uh, this community has had to what uh, uh, your fellow Jews and, and people of all uh, religious persuasions in Pittsburgh are going through right now. Well, Bob, thank you. Um, I, I first want to say that um, you left the word out of the title of my organization, so nobody will be able to find it. Oh, I it's thought I said... proclaiming. Oh, I'm you sorry. Left I, I, off proclaiming. Oh, I left off that's proclaiming right. justice to nations. Thank you. Proclaiming justice to right. the nations. Sorry about that. Yeah, PJTN.org. I suggest that people go to look at it. Um, this is a Christian organization, and I am the State of Ohio Director and their General Counsel. And it's an international organization. Our uh, founder and president, Lori Cardoza Moore, who's been on your show before, um, is actually uh, a reporter to the United Nations, a delegate from the World Council of Independent Christian Churches. She's a very devout Christian woman. And um, what we, our mission is, is to educate Christians on their biblical duty to support Israel and the Jewish people. And that comes into play here. I'll talk about the Jewish community here in, in a bit. Um, but what's really going on here, looking at this Robert Bowers, and that's the last time I'm going to mention his name. I don't want any copycats thinking he's a hero or anything. Um, in terms of what we think about at PJTN and what the Jewish community needs to recognize is that there, um, two, there's a division within Christianity. There are the replacement theology people and the root and branch people, and I'll explain it briefly. Okay. The replacement theology people, they quote John 8, verse 44, and they say, well, uh, the covenant between God and the Jewish people is uh, a dead letter. It's no longer true. Uh, the Church is now the chosen people, and the Jews are irrelevant, and they can be dealt with any way you want. They can be persecuted. They should be persecuted, because uh, they're the spawn of the devil or something. It sounds like Louis Farrakhan, frankly. Yeah, it does. Yes, um, it does. Okay. And so they don't believe... And, and a lot of... I hate to say it, but a lot of mainline churches believe in replacement theology. And that's one source of the anti-Semitism. The other branch of Christianity, the root and branch people, believe that Christianity is the branch, but Judaism is the root. And without Judaism, Christianity can no longer exist, because it will have no base, no source of nutrition. Um, a botanical explanation, but that's how they feel about it. And that is uh, most of the evangelicals. So when you look at um, what happened in Pittsburgh and what this guy had on his, his, uh, his social media, which, by the way, is an alt-right site, um, which no real conservatives believe in. Correct. When, you, when you look at what you see there, he is a replacement theologist, and that's where his um, intellectual basis comes from. Now, uh, Bev was on uh, a show yesterday on Salem Radio and with a very conservative talk show host. I can mention his name if you, know, if you want me to, but um, 
No, it's okay. We're all colleagues. That's fine. Well, it's the Brian Willing Show, and Brian is a, a really bright guy. He's he's terrific. And uh, what he said on the air was, he said, um, this is a crazy person who did this. Okay. Well, we know we had a crazy person sending the pipe bombs. We know that for a fact. But you have to wait. I'm a big believer in due process. And let's wait till we get some more information. Now we have some more information. What a crazy idea that Robert is, right? Bowers. Yeah. Yeah. And what I, what I said to um, Brian off the air yesterday, because I had no part in the conversation between him and, and Dr. Goldstein, um, was that don't jump to conclusions that this guy was in Pittsburgh was crazy, because maybe he was, maybe he wasn't, but we don't know yet. And But that's an American thing, because Americans tend to believe that anybody who would go into a place of worship and shoot it up and kill a bunch of people must be nuts. Yeah, or at least at least true. not 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 right. in their right mind, not in their right mind as we understand it. Because who in their right mind would yeah. do such a thing? Now, now, if I may, but, just interrupt briefly, Mike. Sure. Um, I, I think somebody can be quote unquote crazy or nuts or insane or not in their right mind or whatever, driven by hate. It doesn't mean that their hate is somehow mitigated uh, and the reason in their, their, their anti-Semitism or their contempt for people based on their religion or their ethnicity or whatever, it's mitigated by their their insanity or their lunacy or whatever it is, but one rather is actually derived from the other. And I think the hatred for you know Jewish people that this man apparently uh, felt and has is what drove him to the perhaps not sane decision to try to kill them all. So I think they can go hand in hand. So the act of shooting was probably crazy, but he was informed by his replacement Christian theology. And that's a big problem. And that's one of the things that PJTN is trying to do, educate Christians. That's not factual. And that the root and branch part is factual. It's a little strange for me to be arguing Christian theology as a Jewish person, you know. And I generally leave that to Lori and some of the other folks. And I, you know, I well, but but your organization, my, but Mike, your organization, obviously, you have to know Christianity and you have to know what Christian theology teaches and what it is uh, in order to be able to to advance what you're talking about. You know, if it is our biblical also, duty as Christians to support Israel and Jewish people, which I do not disagree with at all, then obviously anybody who is trying to educate people on that has to know both faiths inside and out. Yeah, and the other problem is you can take a different kind of anti-Semite, and that is a jihadist. Okay who is um, informed by his own theology that Jews are evil and must be killed. But his theology also says you should go kill them. So the act of killing is not the act of a crazy person. It's an act of a person who is carrying out his biblical duty, his own Quranic duty to um, his God and to the Prophet Muhammad. And it's not an act of insanity at all. It's their policy worldwide, and it's been that way since... Islam was formed. So there are different types of anti-Semitism. Unfortunately, they all wind up with a bunch of dead Jews. Okay? And um, this is why we're trying to fight anti-Semitism on campus, because Students for Justice in Palestine are uh, making uh, Jews and Christian Zionists feel very uncomfortable on campus. In some localities, there are physical attacks on them, and they're uh, made to feel not a part of college uh, community anymore. So we're fighting that on another level. Now, PJTN, we're a media company, and we have 47 documentary videos out there available on the website that relate to different aspects of the juxtaposition of Judaism, Christianity, and Israel, ancient and modern. And we reach um, 
that should impress you as a radio guy. We reach 2 billion Christians worldwide on God TV and Daystar television. So um, we're, we're reaching a lot of people. It's more than a quarter of the world's population. That's more than a quarter of the world's yeah. population, if yeah. I'm not uh, mistaken. Right. That's, that's pretty Big impressive. But, we're, but, but in terms of the community, um, Bev and I visited three Christian churches yesterday, all in the inner city. You know most of our campaigns. In the inner sure. People came over, and they were appalled at what had happened. They, they gave us their blessings. The pastors were wonderful. Um, and they really like Bev, by the way. <laughs> they really like her in the inner city. But these folks are biblical, and um, they support Israel, and they support us. And I wasn't even talking to them about PJTN at all. I was there with Bev as her campaign manager. But um, that is the feeling I get from the Christian community. Um, Bev and I have been trying to reach out to the, the um, liberal Jewish community for years about the dangers of this and how Jews have to protect themselves and ally with their Christian friends. And... Um, Sorry, the other yeah, line I, 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 Let me get rid of it. Yeah, Sorry. yeah, I hear it. I hear it. Um, yeah, that's the land. I'll tell you. Line. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Let, 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 let me do this, Mike. Let I'm me done, put you on hold here while you deal with that. Uh, are, are, is it is it gone? Okay, it's gone. It's gone. So we we're trying. We sent out um, oh, like working documents with all the the backup to 125 rabbis, cantors, Jewish stations, about the problems with what's going on in terms of the jihadis, all that stuff. But with all the backups, every document. And nobody called. So um, nobody. there was no response to it at all. So what we're trying to do with Best Campaign is to help. What we can do is to help the inner city uh, bring back Cleveland, East Cleveland, the inner city of Akron financially and socially. And we're working hard on it because that's a really good thing to do. And if you want to have good relations with parts of the Christian community, get in there and get to know them and help them out where they, where they need help. They know they need help. So we're having a lot better luck in the inner city than we're having in the uh, <laughs> than with the um, liberal Jews. But but I think they're just informed by the heads of their own religious congregations who believe. Um, well, one of them told us that he thinks that the uh, Holy Land Foundation trial would put up job by the Republican Party, and, and all those people were innocent. So when people believe in that, it's very hard to reach them that they need to inform their congregations that they ought to have self-protection at services. Um, and I have to tell you, after I heard about the Pittsburgh shooting yesterday morning, I was on my way to the synagogue. I added one item to my apparel, which I won't specify, but I took it with me. Because you never know. I can understand. I can understand. I understand that apparel oh. uh, very well. Uh, Mike, last thing just briefly here. Um, do, you know, we know that the communities of Pittsburgh and Cleveland are actually, despite their, uh, you know, geographical sports rivalries between the Browns and the Steelers, the communities are so very similar and they're very, very close. Uh, as a matter of fact, my mother and father were born in Pittsburgh and moved to Cleveland, obviously, uh, before I was born. And, um, uh, and I know that mirrors thousands and thousands and thousands through the years who have gone back and forth from these two cities. So uh, do, do you know, uh, do you have friends, uh, uh, fellow Jews, worshipers in Pittsburgh? Uh, have you heard from them, reached out to them, or anything else just to kind of get a, a feel for um, uh, what's going on over there right now? I have not reached out yet. Um, one of the places I was stationed in the Naval Reserve was 
Reserve Center in Pittsburgh on the Carnegie Mellon University campus. And we stayed at the Wilkinsburg Holiday Inn, which is right by Squirrel Hill, where this shooting occurred. And um, on not on Saturdays, because the place is shut down, but on Sundays, we used to go in our Marine Corps. Maybe we'd go up there and get stuff at the Jewish Bakery. I used to get in there sometimes on Friday evening from Cleveland to Pittsburgh in time to go to synagogues in Pittsburgh. So I do have some friends there. I'm letting it settle down a little bit before I try to reach them. Gotcha. But I've been to the neighborhood, and um, um, we are going to have to start treating America like Tel Aviv. Um, you know, if you see a package on the ground, <laughs> yeah. you really do say something. It's not like here. Everybody's checking six when you live in Israel. And um, I think everybody here should be checking six also. I think that's well said. Jews, but, but Christians as well, who are our yeah. friends. I, I think that is very well said, Mike, and uh, it should go without saying that you and Bev and all of your family, friends, and all, and all of our fellow Jews, or our, our, our friends who are Jews, I'm not a Jew, so I can't call myself a fellow Jew, but we are fellow uh, humans and believers in, uh, in in God and his divine mercy, and I, and I wish that upon all of those who are suffering right now, either directly because of Pittsburgh or indirectly just because of a shared faith and the shared trauma and tragedy, uh, that God brings mercy to all of us, and... Uh, and and helps us through this very, very tough time. Um, thank Mike, you, Bob. I want to thank you and your audience. Uh, and thank you, Mike. I appreciate you, and uh, and, and please uh, give uh, my best and our best to uh, Dr. Bev as well. I will do that. Thank you, Bob. Thank you. Thank you much. Mike yeah. Goldstein, uh, who is, again, uh, and I want to make sure I hit that uh, that organization again that he's the Ohio director of, because he, he's right, I skipped the word proclaiming, and that's important there as far as the organization it's proclaiming justice to the nations proclaiming justice to the nations it's a christian organization that's us many of us dedicated to educating christians on their biblical duty to support israel and the jewish people which so many of us uh do uh and and for all of the very right reasons and right now our friends in the jewish community are suffering in a terrible way and by the way i i, I i'll come back to this after the timeout because i know we need the timeout right now but by the way this is sadly continuing a string of attacks on places of worship. We had the black church, obviously, in Charleston, South Carolina. We had the Baptist church down in Sutherland Springs, Texas. Uh, we have had, had attacks on mosques, and we have had attacks, obviously, now in Jewish, Jewish synagogues as well. There is, There does need to be a discussion about how to protect our places of worship from those who hate us, for whatever reasons there may be. The president brought it up when he talked about perhaps if armed security had been uh, in place at the synagogue, perhaps the loss of life could have been minimized. And that's not criticizing the way some are saying. Some are accusing him of criticizing the victims for not uh, being able to defend themselves. But it's a reality in 2018. It's a reality that armed protection, whether it be in schools or churches or synagogues or anything else, is something that really needs to be discussed. We're back after this. All right, it's 9.57 now. The Bob France Authority continuing on AM 1420, The Answer. Thanks again to um, Michael Goldstein. I want to address, um, and also, by the way, to tease ahead, um, Coming up after the top of the hour, I'm going to talk to another person of the Jewish faith who uh, uh, has some very strong feelings he'd like to share on what happened in Pittsburgh at the synagogue, at the Tree of Life. 
David Horowitz, or excuse me, not David, Daniel. I beg your pardon, Daniel. I've had Daniel on for years. I don't know how I mistook him for David. Daniel Horowitz um, is going to be joining us from Conservative Review at about 10.10 this morning, and we'll talk a little bit more about um, what this attack means and uh, what what, uh, the latest really is, the feelings of anti-Semitism in this country and who's really promulgating that and what can be done to unite against that type of hatred. But I want to address this just very briefly as well. The President of the United States is being criticized for a number of things um, with respect to this, and I think we addressed most of that in the first half hour. It is absolute lunacy to suggest that the President, who has been so pro-Israel and so pro-Jewish people, more so than any President, honestly, that I can recall in my lifetime, truly, um, to blame him for this is, is really, really ridiculous. On the flip side, however, I will grant this. Um, not sure that the Illinois rally was the, was the right thing to do. Not sure that the Illinois rally the night of, which was Saturday, the shootings, which was earlier on Saturday, was the right thing to do, even though the president uh, attempted to defend that decision. I thought of it for a little while, and the press said, are you going to cancel these two events? And frankly, the future farmers, I could have done that one. But this is a rally from Mike Bost, and frankly, this one maybe I could have, except I don't want to change our life for somebody that's sick and evil, and I don't think we ever should. Well, you don't have to change your life, but you can postpone a rally. And I think the time being what it was, I mean, we canceled football games and baseball games and all kinds of other things after 9-11. We, did we change our lives because of the sick actions of, of, of the 9-11 hijackers and plotters and planners, the terrorists? Uh, no, but we temporarily paid all of our attention to the tragedy, and then we went back to our normal lives, which, of course, is what the American way is, and that's how it should be. So the president... You know, he's right. We shouldn't change who we are and what we do because of these actions. However, sometimes, sometimes uh, a temporary pause in what we're doing just to pay the proper respects might be in order. Having said all of that, those who are blaming President Trump for the actions of the shooter or anything else are simply filled with hatred, the same kind of irrational hatred that the shooter was filled with. Daniel Horowitz will join me after the news on AM 1420 The Answer. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.